You are the foundation of your family. You are the firm footing they build their lives on. You carry a glorious burden and you never dream of laying it down. You carry it with joy and gratitude. You show up even when you don't feel like it. You lead, serve, love, and protect. You are a father. This is the Dad Work Podcast, where men are forged into elite husbands and fathers by learning what it takes to become harder to kill, easier to love, and equipped to lead. Get ready to start building the only legacy that truly matters, your family. Welcome back for another episode of the Dad Work Podcast. I am your host, Kurt Storing, and my guest today is Jason Kalipa. We go deep today talking about Jason's effort over everything mindset, how to encourage your kids to love fitness without building resentment, how Jason navigated his daughter's leukemia diagnosis while keeping himself grounded and healthy, how CrossFit helped Jason become better prepared to overcome adversity, the AMRAP mentality for focus and presence, safe and effective ways to expose your kids to challenges so they can learn how to overcome the things that come at them in life, the importance of prioritizing date nights with your wife even during the hardest times, why being fit matters as a father, and how to take little steps today to start crushing it, and how to teach your kids things that you are not an expert in. Jason is CEO and founder of NC Fit, a global fitness company. With thousands of participants worldwide, NC Fit is widely considered first in class in functional training by industry insiders. Jason is also one of the most accomplished athletes in CrossFit Games history. In 2008, Jason was crowned the fittest man on earth. He has also earned top finishes, including second and third. Jason had the honor of representing Team USA three times in the worldwide CrossFit Invitational, earned the Spirit of the Games honor in his BJJ Purple Belt. Jason attributes much of his success in life and competition to the support of his wife and children, as well as to the AMRAP mentality. You can find Jason online nc.fit is the website or jasonkalipa.com that's j-a-s-o-n-k-h-a-l-i-p-a.com the effort over everything podcast wherever you listen to podcasts you can find him on instagram as well jason kalipa and guys all of these will be mentioned in the show notes at dad.work slash podcast what an incredible episode guys i was so blessed to be able to get in touch with jason and he shares some amazing things in this including overcoming massive massive adversity in his family life I'm really honored to have had Jason on the show. This was an excellent episode, guys. And if you have been finding value here, if you've been enjoying the Dad Work Podcast, if you have learned something that has made you a better man, husband, and father, why don't you go over to Apple? If you have just a moment to leave a review, that would help so much. It would help me. It would help all the other men who will see this podcast because of your review, because it helps in the Apple algorithms. If you listen on Spotify, if you just tap that rating button and leave a review, that would be very, very helpful. And guys, if you are ready today to become an elite man, husband, and father, If you're ready to become harder to kill, easier to love, and equipped to lead, grab my free Elite Dad Habit Stack. It's everything I do. It's all the good stuff that I've tried. None of the stuff I have thrown out over the last eight years of testing everything. It's everything I do every day to simplify my life such that I simply show up as the best man, husband, and father I can. When you're dialed into non-negotiable habits, you can't fail, guys. And so you can download my Elite Dad Habit Stack at dad.work slash habits. That's dad.work slash habits, my free Elite Dad Habit Stack. Pick that up. And without further ado, we'll get into this conversation with my guest, Jason Kalipa. All right, dads, I'm here with Jason Kalipa, and I'm pumped because, man, I just, when I looked at your bio, 
I can only imagine as your kids get older telling them, look, daddy was the fittest man in the entire world. Oh man! Uh, so, th- so that bio just kept, catches me and just makes me go like, man, I'm so excited to hear about how you got there and how that applies to your parenting journey. Cause that's pretty intense. So uh, what has been your journey to become the fittest man in the world? And uh, we're going to sort of move that into fatherhood, but I kind of want to hear origin stories where you come from the fact that you got there and now you're still doing amazing things entrepreneurially and as a father. So what did it look like in your life to be like, man, I think I'm going to be the fittest man in the entire world. Why is that a thing? Yeah. So the the sport of CrossFit created uh, the CrossFit Games. And at the CrossFit Games, they crowned the fittest on earth. And, you know, it's a test of a lot of different fitness elements. And I was fortunate to compete there for a really long time. So I won the CrossFit Games in 2008. I continued to compete there for close to a decade I stopped competing there in 2016 um, after my daughter, she got sick. So I stopped competing in 2016. And um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, obviously I don't really like boast about this to the kids. Or anything. <laughs> uh, both of them, I was fortunate enough to stand on the podium with them in 2014, which is a pretty cool accomplishment. Um, that was something that was important to me, um, bringing in the family aspect to it. And then, um, you know, as of recently, I'm competing in about a month at a, an event in Austin, Texas, where I'm competing in something called the legends category. And so they'll be able to come and hang out and see some that stuff too. So I think there's, um, look, uh, there's a lot of carryovers between, you know, just the work ethic that's required uh, to compete at the highest level in CrossFit. And then the work ethic and the resilience to try and be the best father I could be. I think that's, that's really the carryover there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's so cool that you're able to bring your kids into it now so they can see it happening. Because I think that's, for me at least, my kids are going to do what I do, not what I say. So to see you competing at a high level like that is probably going to have a massive impact on them. And I'm curious if it does already. Like, are they, yeah. how old are they now? Uh, eight and 11. So to answer your question, my 11-year-old, uh, every day we're in the garage at like 6 a.m. So she likes to get her workouts in. We keep them super simple, super short, 10, 15 minutes, get in some movement. She hits the cold plunge, then I hit the cold plunge, then it's off to school. Um, she also plays volleyball. And then my son, he's eight. He's currently playing fall baseball. Um, he loves baseball. We'll get him in a, you know, he plays some flag football. We'll get him in a tackle soon, probably in like another year or two. And uh, he gets after it in the garage as well. So both of them, you know, it's been a long journey and we had to kind of meet them where they were at. It wasn't like as simple as like, you know, them seeing mom and dad in the garage and them doing it. It was a little bit of that, but it kind of took some time for them to kind of wrap their head around this whole fitness thing. But basically the way we introduced them to them was that our children had to sweat once a day. And that that cult, that relationship started at an early age. I didn't care what you did. You just had to sweat once a day. And so that ultimately kind of turned into a bunch of different things. So I wanted them to have a love for fitness um, for the rest of their life and not become resentment to it. Oh yeah. That's huge, man. And I love that simple rule because there's so much of that stuff in my life. I'm like, I want my kids to be free to be entrepreneurs. I want them to be fit. I want them to do things like read. And if I'm the one pushing them, they're probably not going to do it. I think that simple rule of just like, look, you just sweat one time a day, do whatever you want. Love it. It's kind of like reading, right? Like I want my kids to love to read, but they have to learn to love what they're reading before they learn to read, uh, you know, just for their own, for their own, uh, learning and stuff like that. Right. So, uh, was there anything else that went into that in terms of like age related or like, did you do stuff with them all the time? And I'm sure most of it was just like, 
sweat once a day and watch me because I'm going to do it. But was there anything that you did to bring them along? Because that's one of the things I want to talk about is like, let's get our kids into this, man. Yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, my journey is different from everybody else's. Um, and your journey is going to be different than mine, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the reality is, is that my journey is going to be different because I own and operate gyms. So our, our, our children have been in these gyms since they were born. They could work the front desk. They could clean the gyms. I have them doing that since they were really young. Um, so that's something that we have that other families I don't think do have. We also have a full-blown garage gym because, again, that's that's what we do for a living. So those are benefits that we have, and we have a culture of just kind of like growth mindset, fitness around us a lot. Um, what we've had to do is just make sure that we kept a balance between being overzealous and putting our personal initiatives on our children because you know for me i look at it like i want my children to be as fit as possible for the rest of their life this is not like a one year a one month so it takes them a while to kind of wrap their head around this this idea i'm okay with that because i need them to find what works for them for the rest of their life not just for a you know for the next year and so we really took our time you know my son he's different he could go in the garage for hours with me and lift and he loves it my daughter we just found what works for her it started off with just going for walks and then eventually those walks turned into a little bit of kettlebell work. And then a little shortly thereafter, she started seeing and feeling results. And it turned into a 10 to 15 minute workout a day that I designed for her along with her traditional sports. But it, but it took a while to get there. Um, and I don't, I have to acknowledge the fact that my journey as a father and with our family is gonna be different than others because of the way we're surrounded. Also, you know, we spent a lot of time in the hospital for years. And so it kind of, transitioned a little bit of the way that we approached fitness coming out of that. It was a little bit more complicated, I think, than some families had. Right. Would you mind going into that a little bit? Because I've heard you on other podcasts talk about your daughter's journey with leukemia, right? Yeah. So my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia um, in 2016. And, you know, she's about to hit her five years in about six months. She hits her five years out of treatment, which is a really big deal. That's like, Amazing. That's like uh, statistically where the likelihood of you know, basically getting cancer is the same as you and me. And so it's, it's, it's a really, really big hurdle that we're, we're coming up on six months from now. But, you know, when she was diagnosed, she was like four or five years old and she was treated for the next two and a half years. So it was a long treatment plan in a pretty like, you know, uh, I mean, you're in and out of the hospital for, you know, months, weeks, days on ends and for two and a half years. So that took a little bit of a toll on the family and we had to learn how to you know, we had to learn how to make that our new normal for two and a half years. Man, that, um, when I hear stuff like that, like I had a guy on my podcast recently, Greg Danning, he was in a car accident and one of his children was ejected, ended up breaking her femur at a very young age. And the way he was talking about it, man, it was like, that puts into perspective everything that's important. Like, is my business important when my kid's in the hospital? Like, not as much. I mean, I want to be able to pay for things, obviously. But how did that like reprioritize your family life or maybe your entire life, if if at all? Was that like yeah, a yeah. shock? Did that change everything? Yeah, I mean, it shocked everything. I mean, it changed everything. I mean, that night changed everything because there's no other focus. That's it. There, it it's it's with that type of news, there is no there is no anything else, right? Like um, when you receive news, your child has a terminal illness, like or or potentially terminal illness. Um, you know, you, 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 I mean, like I sent out an email that night to our staff and was just like, listen, effective immediately, you know, if it doesn't have to do with getting my daughter, well, I don't want to be involved in it. And that could be for a day, a week, a month, a year. I don't know. But in the meantime, this guy's in charge. Go, da, 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 I gave direction. 
and that was like at 2 a.m. You know, we got the information probably around, you know, midnight that she had, you know, leukemia. But I think at that point, you know, I was competing professionally in sport. I was opening up new locations globally for our business. And, you know, it just changed that whole dynamic because we had to give up something. So obviously I stopped competing and I prioritized her health. So I, you know, documented everything, read as much as I can, you know, became a real advocate for her health. And uh, looking back on it, I don't think there was really any other option. You know, you just kind of do what you got to do and you kind of roll with the punches at that point. Yeah, man, what a punch to roll with. How how did you like cope through all that? Cause you're obviously it's your daughter and like, you got to do everything, but you're now giving up your dreams. You're navigating this with your wife. You've got all these people around you. What were some of the things that kept you grounded and, and moving forward purposely in that time? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, look, I was very fortunate. I actually wrote a book uh, called as many reps as possible about this. Um, I was very fortunate. I was blessed to have financial stability, um, you know, emotional skills because of everything that CrossFit Games taught me and a fitness hedge. And so, you know, I, I think those were blessings that allowed us to, you know, combat this the best way possible. Um, you know, I, I brought a truck to the gym. And so it's it's interesting. A lot of people with leukemia, leukemia is very, in, very odd because unlike a hard tumor or, or treatments where you get it for like three months, it's not better or worse, by the way. It's just different where, you know, you'll be at home and all will be well, and then it won't be well. And when it's not well, you're instantly back in the hospital and you'll be there. Like, you don't know how long you're going to be there for. You could be there for a day, a week, a month, because once a child becomes neutropenic, which means they're A and C, they're, they're basically their white blood count to fight off disease. If it's anywhere below 500, they won't let you leave the hospital. So you can go there and your kid could just like spike a little fever. Let's just say a little fever. And that tells you that there's something going on. And then you go to the hospital and they're like, dude, you're in, like you're inpatient. And, and then every day you get blood work drawn and every day, if it's under 500, you're staying there. And so, you know, it was really important to kind of get time to myself. So I brought a truck to the gym. I loaded with a bunch of gear and I would just go there and go crush a workout. My goal was always to stay within seven minutes of the hotel room or the uh, hospital room, just because when the doctors come, you're able to kind of get like a five to seven minute window that you would know they were coming. So, you know, I always ran within a mile because I figured if I really had to, I could always run back within seven minutes. So that was it. And that's, that's such a great lesson, by the way, just like apply that everywhere in your life. If you could just make that happen when you're going through something like that, that will, uh, that will keep you sorted for those moments when your daughter's going to need you, your wife's going to need you, all these people need you. And yet you're filling up your own cup. You're making sure that you're overflowing with what you need to, to thrive. Like that's, that's such a great uh, concept. Are there any way that we can go into, I guess, what that AMRAP mentality is for the guys listening so that we can get into some of this other stuff? Because I would love to go into the emotional skills, learning CrossFit that are transferable to fatherhood, but let's just go into AMRAP a little bit here. Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to the transferability, um, well, I'll, I'll briefly touch on, touch on that before AMRAP because I think it carries over. The CrossFit Games, the greatest thing they ever taught me um, was you know, obviously work ethic, all that stuff, whatever. But it's, you know, overcoming adversity, um, in particular at moments that seem very struggle, like a, like a lot is on your mind. So learning how to use positive self-talk, learning how to compartmentalize what's in your control, out of your control, learning, learning those two things in particular and doing so on a daily basis through your workouts, I believe can be incredibly impactful for anybody listening. So if you're a dad out there, 
You don't exercise. Me telling you that you're going to get six-pack abs, you probably don't give a shit. You don't because by now you probably know. Or me telling you your blood markers are going to be better so you can keep up with your kids and you could be a you know better father longer term. And you know, if you don't believe in that, then I don't know what to tell you. But what I would tell you is that fitness, it's the best way to unlock your potential to overcoming adversity in real life. And when you're in the garage, when you're in the gym and shit's getting kind of hard, how do you compartmentalize that? How do you utilize positive self-talk? How do you compartmentalize what's in your control, out of your control? How do you do that in a workout where the stakes aren't that high? Then how do you carry that over into where shit really matters in real life? And so if you're not motivated by six pack, if you're not motivated by being the best father you could be like long-term, right? Keeping up with them energy-wise, then maybe you'll be inspired by if or when life throws you a curveball, which it will, it always does, you'll be better prepared to handle it. And which kind of leads me to the AMRAP mentality. The AMRAP mentality is this idea of as many reps or as many rounds as possible. So think about, um, you know, if I asked you to do as many burpees as you can in one minute, that's all you would do. You wouldn't answer your phone. You wouldn't be distracted. You'd just be present and focused. And I started thinking, how do I balance these different things in my life and be successful? And AMRAP is what came to mind. When I'm AMRAPing, that's when I'm most productive. And so I started AMRAPing each facet. When I'm with you, I'm with you. When I'm with the family, I'm with the family. When I'm working out, I'm working out. When I'm working business, I'm working business. And throughout the duration of the day, I just switch AMRAPs. And I'm just really present, really focused. And that skill set allowed me to kind of build a, you know, build a business, create relationships, whatnot. So when Ava did get sick, we were best prepared to handle it. And how does that look like in your life today? Like, what are those things that you're AMRAPing right now? You just mentioned family, business, all that kind of stuff. But like, how does a guy listening to this go, okay, sweet. Like, now what? What do I do to start this? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to first identify, like, what are your core fo- focuses? And if you have too many, you got to get rid of them. You know, for me, it's my my business, my family, and my fitness. That's it. And for other people, you might have different things. But if you have too many things, right, Um, you know, you might you might be doing too much. So if you were to say, okay, the business provides financial means. Um, my family is obviously my family. There's so many benefits there. Uh, fitness, maybe it's not as big of a part of your life, but it should be at least a component. Maybe faith is driven in there. Maybe your church, your community. There's there's multiple things. And you can say, okay, how do I, how do I take each one of those focuses, identify what, like identify um, what I'm going to focus on within each one of those. And then, stay present and focused as I'm doing it. So for example, if I'm in the garage at 6 a.m. with my daughter, I'm present and focused there. I then switch gears once they go to school and I'm present and focused on work. I then switch gears later on I work out. I then switch gears when I'm back at home for dinner. And then I switch gears again. And I'm, I'm just taking mental notes to say, hey, you know, if I'm riding bikes with my kids, I'm not going to be trying to talk on the phone on a conference call. I used to do that way too much. And it's just something I'm trying to get away from. All right. So there's a couple of components of this. There's, there's simplifying, there's knowing where you're going within those few simple buckets. Cause I think where this falls off is guys go like, man, but I'm going to forget what I have to do in these 13 other categories. It's like, no, no, if you have three or four, you just know what you got to do. You pick one thing, you do the next one thing. But, uh, I feel like there's also part of this that getting the most out of am wrapping your life, you got to have, you know, like your podcast talks about effort over everything. Right. Like this, I know you sort of passed over in the, in the crossroad remark, like, ah, you know, discipline, that kind of stuff. And maybe it's just supernatural for you, but how are you prioritizing effort over everything? Uh, you know, purpose over pleasure, 
all that kind of stuff that's like, just do the hard work, man. Is that natural for you? How do you coach guys through that? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I coach my kids on that too, right? It's, it's the only thing, the only, I mean, there's a lot that you can look up to in other people, but when you see true, true effort, when you see someone really, really go out there and lay it on the line, it doesn't really matter their performance because it's remarkable. I mean, think about like the performances where you really look back like, wow, that stood out to me. It's when you watch someone hit the brink of exhaustion, hit the brink of their limitations and they broke through and they put in effort over anything else, um, I think should be rewarded because if you continue to put in your best effort over time, you will become excellent. You might not be excellent today. That's okay. But if you go in there and you approach it with, I'm going to put in my best effort today, period. And I'm not going to walk through the motions. I'm not going to go through it. I think that you're going to build something special. And I think you could do that in any realm, whether it's, I just, you know, again, the AMRAP mentality is about being present and focused. Effort over everything is, is this overall ethos that we have at our gym that just represents when you come in here, dude, I don't care if you get 50 reps or 20 reps. If you're putting in your best effort, that's all we got. And over time, that's going to you know, culminate into something special because you, you blend effort with consistency and some really good stuff happens. Mm. What drives you on that, man? Because I talk to a lot of guys who they want to do this kind of stuff and they're like, oh man, I just like, I hit the snooze button today. What is it for you that keeps you like fired up all the time to put in that effort? Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, I, mean, I think some people probably are more naturally born with it than others, but I think that, um, you know, just this fear of not reaching your potential, I think is something that's always on my mind. Um, I feel like I'm barely scratching the surface of what I could do from husband, father, business owner. I think I'm barely scratching the surface. And um, those are things that inspire me to try and do better. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that. Now with your kids, you said you're trying to instill this in them, obviously as like, you know, top priority, but how are you actually doing that? Obviously you're working out with them, but what else are you doing to be like kids effort? As long as you try, as long as you're working as hard as you can, how does that look in like practicality? Well, I mean, I think those are things you talk about, right? When they're playing sports, when they're, when they come off the field, what do you say to them? How do you talk to them about certain things? Hey, how did you think you did today? Did you feel like you really went out there? Did you put out your best effort today? Great. Awesome job, dude. Let's roll. Like, it's not like I, I just, I just ask them like, Hey, how do you feel like you did? And and then start having a great conversation about, you know, Hey, what play did you feel like you really excelled at today? Oh, what, what do you think was different there? And talking to them, I think on the field, I think matters. I think in the garage matters. I think in the cold plunge and sauna, I have them in daily. I think those are things now. Now I understand that some people listening are probably like, dude, this guy's got his kids in the cold plunge and sauna. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So my cold plunge is at 52 degrees. So that's like the Pacific uh, ocean at a, you know, cold point. So, I, you know, we live up here in Northern California and Santa Cruz is that. So it's not like it's freezing, freezing, but it, it, it allows my children to be exposed to extremes in a world where everything is just keeping our kids so comfortable and trying to wrap them in bubble wrap. I'm trying to find safe and effective ways to expose them to challenges so they can learn how to overcome it. And maybe that's just me being jaded, right? But like when you get hit with the type of news that we've been hit, you realize like, this is not like all rainbows and unicorns. There's going to be struggles for the rest of our life. What could I do to help best prepare my children for the future? And it's trying to um, instill work ethic and expose them to micro doses of adversity that I could at least moderately control um, is what I try and do. Yeah, that's really good, man. And that's one of the things that we've been trying to do as much as we can too, is 
I'm going to take the burden for my family for as long as I can and as much as I can. And I'm prepared to start giving my kids more and more and more so that they can actually survive, like you said, in a world that just wants some comfortable, docile, doing nothing, easily manipulated, easily controllable. And that physical thing is the one thing that they can't actually take away from you, right? Yeah, the physical things. So like, you know, other things like we host uh, regular monthly rucks for like, you know, people to go out there with their kids and put weight on their back and go for walks. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely on like this side of things in terms of like trying to expose the kids to hard stuff, but I, really? but it didn't start off this way. Um, like I don't, I feel like we have a healthy relationship with exposing the kids to tough things. And I feel like it's taken a long time to get there. Like it didn't just start off because again, I've always looked through the lens of how do I do what's best for the children? Yeah. I want to expose them to these microdoses of adversity, but if that turns them off to fitness for the rest of their life, then I'm, I'm doing them a disservice. So I need to slowly ramp them into things just like we would anybody, right? Like, like slowly. And then, and then one thing leads to another, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Like take a box jump. When I first started exposing the kids to box jumps, I just had them jump on one like little 10 pound plate. That's it. And we did that for a while. And then I added a 25 and then I added this and then I added that. And I mean, we're talking months, if not years. And finally, you know, now we're jumping on the 24 inch box, but it's like, those things came from mental and physical like confidence and they came over years of, of training. So I think that's important too, is like the journey's, you know, long. So I want to keep going on it. (laughs) Yeah, dude, that's such a good reminder for me because I am easily swayed into the here and now insofar as like, Oh, I want this to happen right away. You know, the little patience and the almost like growing up with a scarcity attitude, I'm training yeah. myself to have that abundance mindset where it's like, oh dude, it's a long ball game. Dude. And that's one of the things I struggle with. So hearing that, it's like, where else can I apply that to my life? I can be more gentle on my expectations with their chores. I can be more gentle with my expectations on them. We just start homeschool. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, why aren't you getting a perfect? It's like, no, 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 no. Start super small, get them on that 10 pound plate. And then once they master that, move them up. That's yeah. such a good reminder for me and, and everyone else. Point, you know, and I think maybe the what, reason why I'm so jaded or like like this perspective is so important to me, in particular with fitness, is got to see it every day, right? I'm looking, I just got done watching a class of, you know, average age probably at this class, average age is probably like, I don't know, 35 to 40. But we have classes where, you know, we have 70-year-olds in them and 65-year-olds. And I want to watch my kids still in the gym still active when they're 60, 70, 80. And I think because I see these people and those are the ones that really inspire me. Cause could you imagine, like, could you imagine like, so right now, you know, my kids are 11 and eight. If I continue to stay as fit as I am, and obviously I'm gonna have some deficiency, but if I continue to stay there and I'm 70 years old and I could outrun my grandkids and my kids, like, like that's what we want. Like I never want to be a liability to them. I want to be able to go hike, climb, and never allow fitness to inhibit those things. But I also want that for my children. So I know that if I'm looking at it in the long game, you know, does it really matter if they get a, you know, 10 pound PR within a, a month or a year? Probably not. Mm, man, that's such a good mindset. That's so good. I'm so inspired right now. Cause I'm like, man, where else can I do this? And like you just said, I want to be able to outrun my grandkids. I actually, I think Instagram's canceled me right now. I'm on shadow ban because I said real men should be able to bench press their wives and outrun their kids. And I think that was like fat shaming or something. Um, uh, but anyway, that was like, like the legacy that I want to le- lead leave is that for my kids so that my grandkids are looking up to my own kids being like, wow, like they're so fast. They're so fit. They're so present. 
Yeah. Because like you said, I don't want my lack of fitness to stop me from participating and be like, oh, no, no, don't ask dad. You know, he can't run. You know, he, it hurts his back. You know, blah, 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 blah. He's too, you know, he eats too much. It's like, dude, that is the lowest price. That's the lowest common denominator for guys who cannot be with their kids. Dude. If you can't control what's going into your mouth and you can't control getting up in the morning and going to the gym, how are you going to be there for your kids? And that drives me every single day, man. Yeah, it's tough for me because sometimes, you know, again, I've had to learn to kind of bite my tongue and recognize that everybody comes to it with a different perspective and background. But I mean, if you're a dad, especially if you're a dad and you have young kids and maybe you had them later on in life and you're not working on your fitness, I, I seriously think you're doing your children a disservice because your energy levels, like imagine if you're 50 pounds overweight, that means all day you're carrying around a 50 pound, you know, weight on your back. Of course, you're not going to have any energy at night. Like, and all of a sudden your kids are at school and they come home and they want to go play baseball, but you're too tired because you're not because you've for whatever the reason, then something that's within your control. And, you know, I refuse to be that guy. I refuse. Um, and I'm going to work my ass off for the rest of my life to never be that guy because I've been in family situations where we've been traveling and we want to go do something and someone cannot participate because they don't feel comfortable or maybe they don't have the fitness level. And that's really unfortunate. And I, I think that's within our control and we should start working on that. And if you're a dad listening right now and you're offended by what I'm saying, I apologize. You might have a background that I'm not unaware of, but assuming that you, assuming that you could start walking tomorrow, just start with a 10 minute walk. That's it. Just add a 10 minute walk in and man, you'd be shocked. You come home, you're going to be feeling so good. And then you do that every day or three times a week. And then you start adding in a couple of pushups, a couple of squats, and then you start adding in a little bit of this. And what do you know? Six months later, you're feeling better. You have more energy and you're like going to smash it. Like, anyways, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. And, and again, it's definitely not a condemnation because I don't know where you guys are at, but I think that we need to be calling up to excellence in parenting only because it's literally our kids lives at stake. And that's what I come back to. And I'm like, do I want to call this out? Do I want to call this up? It's like, yeah, because the kids are at stake. And if only we could get dads to show up with this kind of commitment and excellent commitment to excellence in everything, I think we'd be living in a better world. Well, I mean, I'll take it one step further. So like a lot of people, um, they believe that like police officers fire, you know, certain groups should be in good physical shape. And I agree. I think they should be. I think most people actually would probably agree that that group of individuals should be in good shape because your life and my life may one day depend on it, Right. But then if you agree with that, then would you also agree that if potentially you had to take care of your children, save your children, then should you also be in good enough physical shape to do that? I'd say, yeah, right? Like if you, if you had to help your children out of a building, if you had to go run with them, if you had to go do something, you should have that capability. And I think that's, it's not going to happen overnight if you're really out of shape, but you can make steps in that direction. I think that's something that's really important. Yeah, man. And you're just saying like, if you're 50 pounds overweight sort of thing and that, you know, I'm, I've never been overweight, but I was kind of like skinny fat, you know, went to the gym, kind of F arounditis. Uh, but, uh, I joined this, uh, fitness coaching in the last couple of months and I've dropped 22 pounds, finally got abs for the first time ever. But I noticed in hockey, I'm out there and dude, I'm not gassed anymore. And I'm going, Oh man, everything else is slightly easier. And over the course of a day, that really adds up. So even if you're like, Oh, you know, I'm not that bad going from not that bad to excellent 
has massive returns. So I would really highly recommend guys like dial in. Do you guys have, um, I think I saw an app on your website. Do you guys have workouts and stuff? Look, I mean, we're going to continue to put out more products that I think will be really good for the dad. Um, Yes, we have the NC Fit app. It requires, you know, some equipment, but I think a great place to start, start walking. And then you could start loading your walks. So you start taking a backpack, throwing it on your back with a heavy water bottle in it or bricks or a plate, whatever, and start loading your spine and going for walks. And then after that, start adding in body weight movements. And then after that, then you can really start talking about change. Um, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is that I think dad's people, they put on a pedestal to get in better shape. When in reality, all it takes is one day, 10 minutes, and then create consistency and just do that two to three days a week. But whatever you do, don't listen to this podcast, get all fired up and go to the gym and think, you know, you're going to get results tomorrow. Instead, be real and just start making little, little steps and then compound those over months and years. And before you know it, you're going to be, you know, crushing the game. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like uh, exactly what you say with the 10 pound weight to the 25 pound weight, right? It's just that incremental gain. And that's the thing, like I have this massive vision that draws me into the future. I can't get away from it. It just drags me along no matter what I want. However, I'm feeling it doesn't matter. I just want to get there, but it's backed up by non-negotiable daily habits. And I know, like you said, I'm not going to drop, you know, a million pounds. I'm not going to get super jacked right away. But I know from enough experience and with enough guys around me, and this is why community is so important, that if I do the thing, that I say I need to do for you know months or years at a time, I can't help but get a lot closer to that that goal that I wanted to set. Yeah. And if you don't do those things every day, you're absolutely not going to hit them. But if you do, you'll probably get close. So I think just having that vision to draw you along for me has been really helpful. I don't know if you need that, but like I just in terms of motivation, I need like that huge like oh man, that's ideal version of me. Now I just got to do the thing to get me there. Yeah. You ever deal with that? Or is it just like internal? No, no, I think, I think, you know, the, I, it was a good analogy, like in business, like, Hey, I want to go from here to Europe and along the way I might stop, but I know where I want to go. Uh, like on a, like on an airplane, for example. Um, oftentimes I think people just go from like here to Arizona and then from Arizona, they then try and figure out the next step and then try and figure out the next step instead, you know, figuring out where you want to go on your journey and then slowly taking these steps that you, you know, is going to help you get there. I think it's key. Um, yeah, I, I think that's something I think about on a regular basis. And I think when the, with the fitness journey, that's what you got to think about, right? As a dad, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, my goal is to lose 20 pounds because I need more energy and I need this for my kids and, or I'm going to quit smoking or I'm going to quit drinking three sodas a day. There's, oh, there's gotta be a bunch of stuff. And, but once you start doing those things in your life, it starts building your confidence to go do other stuff. And like, I would ask every dad, like, what are you really good at? You know, maybe you're really good at accounting. You're really good at business. You're really good at this. Well, what makes you really good at it? Well, you're probably uniquely qualified. You're probably very passionate about it. You're probably very educated on it, whatever. Well, how do you take just a piece of that and like start just layering in like the fitness element or the health element? And even if you just do 10% of like, how good you are over here. Maybe you're like, you know, you're not good at fitness. Okay. I get it. But like, just start a little bit. All of a sudden you'll see that everything in your life exponentially compounds and feels better is my, been yeah. my experience. Yeah. I've, I've literally just experienced that over the last couple of months in this program I'm doing right now. It's like everything else in my life has got better because I have this basic discipline and fitness base. Now yeah. I can do more. I can serve more. I can show up more. And it's like, Oh, I didn't know that I could just, you know, start from this base of doing things with my body 
and my mind, my soul, everything shows up better. Uh, and it, it's not that hard. It's just like the basic things repeated over and over. And then actually staying on that path, I think is the biggest thing, which is why I like to have a vision attached to it, which I think a lot of dads can get behind because it's our kids, man. Your wife picked you forever. Your kids didn't choose to be here. You owe them, man. Yeah, so if you're not driven in the future, you're locked in. You're locked yeah. in. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be there. I mean, and yeah. Anyways, that's yeah. Sure. <laughs> and it, yeah, I, uh, I, I heard you talk about uh, a mantra recently, and I've been using these as well. Move fast, breathe slow. And I know that's like fitness. It's, uh, it's keeping you in the game. But are there other mantras or affirmations that you use or have used, whether it's physical or whether it's family related? Um, you know, the move fast, breathe slow is interesting because it's more fitness related in terms of like move with purpose, keep your heart under control, act rationally. Um, I'd say in daily life, it's just regular check-ins like, Hey, how am I doing? Like as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a husband, as a father, you know, I met my wife when we were 14, lots changed since we were 14 and you know, we have to grow together and how am I doing that on a daily basis versus just like these macro check-ins yearly where I'm like, oh shit, I've been a terrible father. Instead, I have these micro check-ins where I can ask myself how I'm doing. I think that's really important. Yeah. How did that develop? You just start doing that one day or has it been something you've- Yeah. I mean, I it's the same way that I approached everything. Like in particular, like competing, I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, what am I good at? What am I not that good at? Okay. How do I put some work in to get better at that? And then I take that same philosophy and I put it into other areas of my life. And, uh, you know, for me, it's like regularly checking in and say, hey, how did I do today as a husband, a father, as a business owner? You know, some days there's days that I kill it on one area and maybe don't do as well on the other. Well, how do I write that wrong the next day? And like kind of make sure I'm running an even playing field, right? Um, instead of just, again, waking up a year later and be like, oh, shoot, I've been, you know, neglecting my children because I've been traveling every day, you know? Yeah. Do you like journal or anything like that? Or is it just mental check-in? It's just mental check-ins. Oftentimes, like I, I rode my bike here, like I was telling you, oftentimes it's on the bike, it's in the sauna. It's things like that. Man, that, as I'm, I'm playing this through my head, it's like, okay, there's probably a lot of guys going like, well, how do you just think about that stuff, man? Like, what do you mean you're not distracted? But I think it goes back to what you're saying before about having like three or four priorities in life and knowing exactly what you need to do. And then you have the space to be present with that AMRAP mentality. And you just think about, okay, what do I need to do to get better? Like, is that, is that simply it? That's it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> amazing. if there's one thing I've learned in business, you know, we've, We've expanded globally. We've done a lot of stuff. And I wish I would have said no more often. I would have just been focused more often. And I think if you focus, you'd be successful. And I think if you're distracted, you're not. And I wish we did less and did it better. Um, And I think as a family, it's like, dude, just do less. Like, just be, just be there, be present. You know, like, you know, this whole fatherhood thing, it's so funny because people, they make it so complicated. But in reality, if you show up for your kids, I really believe if you show up and they know that you care, right? Like we say the sign of a good coach at our gym, no one cares what you know until they know how much you care. I feel like that's the same way with the kids. Like if you're there every day and you're focused on them and you're present and you're trying the best you can, I think ultimately I think you're going to be doing, you're going to be doing okay, you know, but if you're not there, that's, you know, that's obviously something you got to work on. Yeah. And that's one of the things I've noticed over the last few months working with my clients. I've got guys who, you know, mostly entrepreneurial types, they've had success in the market and now they're trying to make as successful a family as they have a business. And we get through three or four weeks and I'm like, Hey, you guys are doing all the things like you've, you've sorted out all those problems. They're like, yeah. And I'm kind of like, okay, I think you're good, man. Like just keep doing the basics. 
And it's way less complicated than guys come in thinking. If you're showing up, if you're spending some one-on-one time, if you're having intentional check-ins, like you had a check-in with yourself, just making sure you're on track. I do that with my wife every week. I do that with my kids every week. And uh, actually that brings to mind how you do this with your wife. Because 14 years old to now, man, like that's incredible. A relationship that long, like were you guys dating the whole time? What does that look like? And how are you now still dialed in? Yes, uh, we met at 14, married at, 22 kids at 23, 24, something like that, I think. Um, and here we are. Right. So yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, trying to have adult conversations when they're warranted, but also just being teenagers again, when it's warranted, I think makes total sense. Um, last night we were at a wedding. Let's have fun, you know, like life, Life will come and it will kick you in the nuts. And I think that when you have a good relationship, you can have those like really like open and honest conversations about the struggles you're having. But I also think you got to blend that with just like, dude, just going out and just having fun, you know, and, and, and just dating again, I think is really important to us. So we try and keep date night once a week. You know, it's, it's interesting. This is something that I, um, at the time when I received this information, it wasn't very appealing to me. When Ava was diagnosed, the night she was diagnosed, we were in the uh, emergency room and this nurse came up to my wife and I, and she's like, Hey, I've seen a lot of stories in this, in this hospital. And I recommend for you guys to keep a date night. And then she has left. And at first, Ashton and I like, what do, what the, f-? like, that's not cool. Like, cause it kind of felt like a bad omen. Right. Uh, because at that point we didn't know what was going on. We just were going to the ER because of a whole slew of stuff had gone down. But anyways, we were in the ER but there was no definitive answer that it was leukemia or cancer. It was just like, kind of, we're, we're figuring it out, but she knew this woman, knew she, she knew. And that information really turned out to be really helpful because from that day on, we tried to do the best we could to have weekly date nights, especially when we were in the hospital, we would go and we were fortunate to have family around, you know, my mother-in-law or my mom would come and watch Ava or be there to support her or whatever. And we, you know, walk 20 minutes away and, you know, at times have more drinks than we probably should have. Right. But we had, we had that moment where we could just date and and have a, if we needed to adult conversations that were really heavy or B just go out and have a good time. Just, just, you know, bring the positive energy and then go back into the hospital. And those date nights were really helpful then. And I think they were more helpful or just as helpful now where we allocate time weekly, just go out and just go, you know, talk about stuff. And, and, if we talk about the kids and like where things are at, great. If we just talk about just fun stuff, I think that's just as important. So that's what we do. And I think it's been really helpful. And I think that inspiration came from the lady at the hospital. And I'm actually grateful for that feedback at the hospital because I do think it made a big difference for us. Yeah, man, that's so good. And I, um, I've i noticed that as well in just starting to like date my wife more because I, I struggled with this for a long time. I was like, well, I don't know. We got so many kids. We got work. We got all this kind of stuff. We'll do it you know, a couple times a year, I think that's kind of good. But the more we've done it, the more easy it is to just stay on the same page. And so there are no risks. And like, one of the things that I like to do in my relationship, I try to make sure that we're like this, like I'm putting my hands together. If you're listening all the time. And when there's a rift, there's like, oh, someone said something expectations wrong. We start to diverge a little bit. I want to get back to touching immediately. I don't want any space to come up because that's where resentment builds in. Yep. And that's where things start to really go off track. But if you just build it in, that's why we do weekly dates uh, like with the whole family. That's why we do weekly meetings together so that every single week, not a week goes by without someone going, what did you want more of this week? What went wrong? How can we go better? And it's like, oh, actually, I feel heard right now. Here's what I want more of. Here's what I felt. 
there's literally no space in a relationship like that for anything to boil up that's significant and get in the way. And having those weekly date nights, especially, man, during that hard part, incredible. I don't know if enough guys are are doing that. Yeah. I mean, for us, we're not as like super structured about it in terms of like, we don't involve anybody else, but it's just like, we make it a effort to go out. And even if we go grab like a glass of wine or whatever, we just make an effort to go do that. And um, I know it goes a long way for her. And I know it goes a long way for me. And that inspiration really, like I said, came in the hospital. And um, when you are going through tough times, I think connecting and, and getting outside of that, that, so if you're like, let's just say you're having a tough relationship with your kids and struggles there. If you and your significant other, you know, leave the house and kind of like create like a separate space, then you can also have just a really good conversation. Like, Hey, what are you seeing with John? Oh, I'm seeing this. Okay. How do you want to handle it? But you know, sometimes when you're just in the house all the time, you can't have those kind of conversations when your kids are around. It's just not appropriate. So I think that's another example of something you could do when you leave or even walk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even walks. Exactly. It's so simple around here. And if your kids get a little bit older and they can be at home, whatever, like I'm minor nine, seven and two now. So we're not quite there, but uh, I know the oldest one is just about ready to start doing the babysitting duties. But um, anyway, man, I'm curious about parenting as well. And I don't know if you talk about this all that often, but like, what are some of the principles beyond effort over everything? Uh, What are some of the things that you are sort of hoping to instill in your kids as a father? I mean, you said show up, you said effort over everything. Are there other things that guide you? Or is it just kind of like, man, I'm in here and I'm present and that's that's all I need? Well, I mean, I think if you're in there, you're present and you try and be a good human. I think that ultimately that's the best you could do, right? Like the, you just want to do the best you can. Um, but obviously it goes without saying, like we want to raise the kids. Like my goal would one day, and you know, I, I, I think so far we're doing okay, is you know I want people to be like, hey, like like 10 years from now, I would love for someone to be like, Hey, your son, he embodies like the male characteristics of making him like a warrior. Like he, he can defend himself. He's competent. Um, but he's also the most loving, caring, gentle human I've ever met. And that's who I want my son to be. I want him to be the guy who can defend himself and defend others. I want him to be that warrior mindset where he knows how to use, you know, firearms, weapons himself. I'm okay with that. I want him to have those skill sets. And then at the same time, just as importantly, never obviously intentionally use those skills and instead be the guy who people are like, wow, like I want my, I want my daughter to date that guy, you know, because he's just so kind, opens the door and is gentle and loving and, and is, is, it shows empathy and doesn't, you know, I think that this modern era gentleman, I think could be that could be that blend where it's okay. You know, my dad came from Iran and I was raised a certain way. I think that coming from Iran, a male, you know, it's, it's more like, you know, you have a certain stigma to it, whatever that may be in your eyes. I think for me, it's like, how do you bridge the gap of being a, a masculine guy while at the same time, like it's okay to cry and love and care and, and, and be that person. Right. But at the same, but, but also concurrently, is, is a badass, Like you know what I mean? So it's like, that's what I want yeah. for him, right? And for my daughter, you know, I, I want the same thing for her. I want her to be extremely competent, to be self-reliant, to be independent, to be, uh, you know, her own warrior type, whatever that is, and obviously be able to defend herself, but at the same time, to be extremely loving and to be able to, you know, take on love. And I, I think that those are skill sets that I want to instill in the children where I want them to be tough enough to to take life's challenges, 
but open-minded and open enough to, to love and give love. Cause I think that's important too. Man, exactly. I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly my mentality for this whole project for my whole life for my kids is to be harder to kill and easier to love. Yeah. And I think that as, as dads, as long as you put those things and you sit in this middle discernment where you know what it's like to be hard to kill, where you know you're a warrior and badass, but you also know that you come home and you are the most gentle, loving, compassionate person. And I think masculinity, man, is like sitting in the confines of that center balance between the two and having the discernment to know when do you deploy either yeah. so that you're not going off on the family with your warriorness. And so you're not being some weakling in, in, you know, devastating situations when people are relying on you, it's that center point between being hard to kill and easy to love. And man, I'm like all these things you're saying about your son. I want all of these things for my sons too. And one of the things that's come up recently is like, I don't know how to do a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Like, I know how to do a lot, but I like my buddy's taking us hunting in a couple of weeks because I've never gone before. I'm taking my oldest. I got some firearms because I need to learn how to train in them because I want my kids to be proficient, but I don't know what I'm doing. Where are you going to find other ways for your kids to learn these things, assuming that you just don't inherently know them all? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, w- I, would, I would consider myself a subject material expert when it comes to uh, the business side of fitness and fitness, right? Um, so in those realms, I, I will take on that scope, right? For jujitsu, MMA, um, I would say I have enough skills at this point um, because of my background to continue to train them for the next while. At some point, you know, potentially they might outdo my my skill set. Um, but right now, so the way it works at our house is um, I train the kids in self-defense at least once a week. And that could be hand-to-hand combat with, you know, uh, traditional Muay Thai or grappling arts, uh, jiu-jitsu, basic fundamental wrestling. Um, because of my background, I feel like I have enough skill set at this point today. Um, would I like them to be around other kids and do it with other kids? Yes, we just we haven't broken that barrier yet. So for now, I'll continue to work with both of my children on the self-defense side and the fitness side. In regards to firearms, um, I think that um, learning how to utilize a firearm is a really important skill set. And especially if your children have a big interest in it. My son has a huge interest in firearms, hunting, and understanding where his food comes from. Huge. He's very interested in it. He watches that show Meat Eater all the time. And so for me, I had to go outsource that. I am not a subject control expert at all. And so we've been taking him for the last couple of years to a local police department to learn how to shoot. So he's gone and he's, um, he's became relatively proficient with firearms through working with a local police department and training with them on a regular basis. I've, I've turned that over to them because they're the experts, not me. Um, that was one thing. And I understand that because of my network and my background, I had those resources, but I'm sure that there's other resources for dads who, who don't have the skills. Like I didn't, this is, this is what I did years ago. Um, in regards to the hunting, it's the same thing, right? I took my son uh, one time and we learned a lot. We took, we went with an expert and we're going again, actually in Texas with an expert who is going to take us through the whole process. And that's what he wants to see. And that's what I want to teach him, but I can't teach him. So I found an expert and I'm taking him to him. Yeah. And I think the, the macro lesson here is that dudes find experts and get them around your kids and other men, I think in a, in a lot of cases is the best way to go here because I want my sons to know that they can trust other men and I want them to learn. I want them to know how to trust and who to trust so that they can go through because dude, I was like lone wolfing it for so long, 
But then I realized that lone wolves don't raise cubs. And I want my kids to be around good groups of men and to know where to go to learn so that they are aware of their own humility and their own limits. And that's like when I, I, um, I did like, I think, I don't know, two months of jujitsu at this point, And then everything shut down. And here in Canada, things are just opening up. So when I was doing jujitsu, it was like, dude, I finally know where my limits are. Like oh. I'm getting my ass kicked all the time. And it's so good because I didn't know positively or negatively where my limits are. And I think learning with other men like this is another way to do it because they're going to be experts and they're going to kick your ass in like the basics. Right. So yeah, go. Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, if, if you're a dad out there and you, you, jujitsu for dads is like, it's a, it's a no brainer. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally a no brainer. I think, I mean, if you're not walking, that's probably your first step. But after that, you know, jujitsu is an incredible art. And I think it teaches a lot of humility. And I think it allows us to, you know, I'll, I'll, this is for me speaking on from my son. This is not everybody. My son, I could already see is very masculine in nature. He has a lot of male testosterone. And I believe that unless I teach him how to channel that effectively, that is where I think issues start to arise. And so by having him exposed in jujitsu on a regular basis, by having him exposed to these martial arts, he comes out more calm, more cool, more collected, more low key. Instead of just having these natural instincts that just get pent up and he doesn't know how to properly release and then bad stuff happens. And I find that if you have a son who you see these tendencies in, dude, find a martial arts, find a fitness program. Cause I'm, I'm telling you, you can just see a difference. I mean, for me in particular, I see a difference. You know, I have very similar tendencies, but after I'm done doing jujitsu, I don't want to go fight anybody. I just want to go <laughs> lay down, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's the real art there is, is how do you channel this natural male? And, and this also rolls with women as well. There's plenty of women who have similar tendencies. And I think just finding opportunities to, um, successfully released. I think is really important. Yeah. We just got the kids into jujitsu like two months ago. They just got their first uh, stripe the other day. They're so yeah. pumped, man. And it's the same sort of thing. Like there's just confidence. I see in the way they move. They're like, oh, now I know if I do this, I'll get tapped. But I also know that I'm good at this particular thing. And that balance between confidence and humility, I don't know if there's anything better in terms of like raising a boy up at least yeah. with that kind of like grounded knowledge we've just been talking about. So yeah, highly, highly recommended. Oh yeah. Agreed. Nice. Full, amazing. Full yeah. And you're a purple bell, right? That's amazing. Yeah. I'm getting close to that, uh, that brown. I, uh, I'm pretty, pretty close. I've been nice. for a little while. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I, I think we're just about out of time here. Where can people find you if they want to follow you? You know, I know you got a podcast, you got Instagram, you got a, a gym. Yeah, we got, you know, gyms. If you live in the Bay Area in particular, if you were looking for a partner gym, you can go to nc.fit. You could go to uh, add Jason Kalipa on social media. And then we have the effort over everything channel. Every Monday I throw out these cop of Kalipas. They're just like a fun short format podcast. Yes. Go check those out as well. Yeah. That's where I saw the, uh, the mantra, the move fast, breathe slow thing. I think. Yeah. 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 Sweet. Okay, man. Well, I really appreciate this. I've really uh, enjoyed getting to know you and just hearing that effort over everything, man. Like that stuck in my head since I first saw it. And I'm super pumped that Matt put us together because man, this has been so good. So thank you very much, guys. All of those things will be, all those links will be on the show notes, dad.work slash podcast. Make sure you subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple and Jason, man. Thank you again, brother. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dad Work Podcast. That's it for this episode. But if you would like to stay in touch between weekly episodes, 
why don't you go over to Instagram and follow me there? Because I drop a number of things throughout the week that are related to what we talk about on this podcast, but usually go a little bit deeper, provide some tips. You can find me on Instagram at dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. And please, if you have been getting something out of this podcast, if it has touched you, if it has improved your marriage, your parenting, your life, would you please leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify? Leave a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, leave a quick review. That's the best way that we can get this work in the hands of more fathers. And I truly believe that we change the world one father at a time because each father that parents better, that loves better, raises children who do the same. And in just a couple of generations, I feel like we could be living in a world much better than the one we live in today. Your review will help along that path. And I thank you so much for being here to listen. Until next week, we'll see you then.